You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Hey everybody, it's the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast, and this is episode 62. Can you believe that the powers that be have allowed us to continue for a whole 62 episodes? I was certain I would have been squashed by the man by now, but clearly I am still here. So, what are the topics that we have to cover tonight? First off... We have a real talk with the Pimpcron, and this was actually spurred by a Tesseract mailbox. So this became a big enough topic that I could just ramble on forever about, and I actually do. It is whether or not 3D printers... Is, is it worth to 3D print all your train, buy a 3D printer and do it? Or is it worth to just buy your train or make your train from scratch? So that is the topic we're asked by Patreon subscriber Mike. And we also have a Tesseract mailbox, which is not really a Tesseract mailbox. This show is just full of lies, much like my marriage. And it is article comments on my most recent article. I just thought some of them were funny, and I want to share it with you. And uh, a little commentary on the people that read articles and don't know what they're reading. Finally, we have a want that or want that not with Blood of the Phoenix, which is the new box set for Drakari and Craftworld Eldar, but you probably already know that. Uh, so that is what we are talking about tonight. What has been going on with me? Well, like I said last week or the week before, I don't know, I am very, very close to finishing my supplement for your favorite 28mm fantasy or futuristic war game that uses D6s. Wink. And this is very, very close to going to the printers. So I'm doing the final edits, the final, you know, proofreading and things like that. Um, I'm doing a couple last minute play tests on things just to make sure I've ironed everything out. And but right before I send it to the printers or maybe afterwards, I will actually give you a rundown of what it is. And maybe we'll do a want that or want that not, which clearly we know the answer. I'm going to want it. But what else have I been up to? Well, besides that, uh, I had a friend come over and we played Warhammer 40k and he played Blood Angels and I played Tyranids. We were using some of the narrative rules out of my um, supplement book that I'm making and we had a lot of fun. We had a bunch of civilian objectives running around. My Tyranids were attacking a science outpost and his Blood Angels were trying to uh, protect the civilians and, and save them because apparently like they had some really interesting information. Uh, maybe some Sesame Street fanfic or something in their brain that the hive mind was really interested in. So we wanted to kind of go over there and just munch on brains like Venom. Then, um, what else? You know, I played a game Wednesday and I don't remember what the game was or who I played it with. Let me think for a second. Oh, yes, I played against Chaos Space Marines with my uh, Space Wolf Dwarves. That's what it was. Man, I have a terrible memory. I, I guess I play so many games. I play about once a week, usually. This week was twice a week, so my memory is not very good. But I played my Space Wolf Dwarves against a guy that's been playing for about a year, so he's newer, and um, I took... We played a 1,500-point game. I only took 1,200 to give him a bit of a head start. 
I ended up, that just comes off as bragging, but that's honestly what happened. So, you know, uh, you can judge me if you want. Most of you were already judging me. So I ended up beating him. It was like 12 to 9, something like that. It was a pretty close game and it was pretty fun. I had a lot more fun with the narrative game with my friend Connor, but that was, um, that was fun as well. So that is about it. I've done no hobby progress whatsoever. Um, oh shit, you know what? I have done hobby progress, but it was for Shorehammer. We did a paint day and we've been painting terrain for Shorehammer. And then I went over to my friend Bliggity Blam Steve's house, who is the main supplier of terrain for Shorehammer. And we painted a bunch more buildings. So the terrain is very, very good and it gets better every single year. We just paint tons and tons of new terrain. So... Uh, that is about it. So I've done no hobbying for myself, but I got some games in and I'm very, very nearly done the, um, supplement book. The supplement book is the actual content is probably 95% done. Like I said, I'm just editing. So that is what we've got going on tonight. And that is what I've been up to. And now this segment just serves as my dear diary each week. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. So as most of you probably know, it's time for the Tesseract mailbox, and we are going to be switching things up a little bit tonight. Um, number one, the real talk is actually going to be uh, fed by a message from one of our Patreon patrons, so that's a little different than normal. I did want to share something with you guys that really tickled my fancy this week, and it is my latest article that was me reviewing the Cities of Sigmar Codex, and of course that's for Age of Sigmar, and the feedback that I got, and being that I absolutely love when people don't get sarcasm or satire or just jokes in general. So I wanted to read a couple of the comments that uh, just tickled my fancy. So for those of you who did not read the article, it is essentially a book review about the literal book, like the cover, the pages, the, you know, the page orientation, blah, blah, blah. And it's got a thin veneer of, oh, you know, this is a review of the Codex. But as soon as you click on it, you very quickly realize that, oh, this is, he's just pulling my leg. He's not being serious about this. And what's hilarious is there are several people that took it very serious. So, um, that kind of, that kind of, uh, makes me laugh. So, you know, I, I really enjoy being a troll sometimes on Bell of All Souls. So one person, Chris says, waste of internet space. <laughs> Paul says, I don't know what I expected. <laughs> Dave says, I have low expectations of Pimpcron articles, and every time he manages to slip under that bar, it would be impressive if I knew I wasn't wasting my time. <laughs> and finally, Damon got it. That was certainly an article written and submitted to the internet to be read. I liked where the author used text and pictures in an attempt to convey an opinion to me. Uh, that was a pretty good response to that. There were a couple other people that got uh, quite hostile. Luis writes, written by Mike, age 10. Uh, now, of course, in the article I also mention that I've never played Age of Sigmar before, so I don't really know how the rules work, and that I've only played two games of 40k ever. 
And clearly Morton is not familiar with me because uh, some people were making fun. He goes, be kind. I do think it's an odd choice to have a person which isn't familiar with the game publish a review in public. It is as if the rules part of the review is simply missing. Someone named Starbucks says, what review? I didn't read a review just now. Well, yeah, that was the joke. That was the joke. Luckily, there were several people that knew exactly what I meant. So, Snord says, I like the fact that the pages have numbers on them. Your review didn't mention that. There was no info on nutritional content either. I replied, truth told, I didn't know what those squiggles were at the bottom of each page, so I hope nobody would notice me leaving them out. Numbers? Like on a birthday cake? Surely each of those pages didn't take a year of work. This isn't a calendar, Snord. And Snord goes, sorry, Pimpcron. I'm new at this reading thing. Someone also said, great review. Uh, Nate said, great review, Pimpcron. As one of your illiterate fans, I particularly enjoyed the warm feeling of sass emanating from the confused jumble of letters tumbling at me off the page. So, I just wanted to say, uh, oh, one person claimed this could be, could easily be a serious review on Spiky Bits. <laughs> I guess some people deleted their comments because there were a couple more. But anyway, I got a big kick out of people just completely missing the point. I'm sure if any of you are listening to the show, you could read that article and you would see that, oh, wait, this dude's making a joke. Because my children would have recognized that this dude's making a joke. Um, I feel like sometimes we live in a time where there's so much uh, clickbait and things like that that we tend to not believe anything that we read, you know? But then I also feel like there's so many people that take everything on the internet at face value that they don't have that filter anymore and they believe everything they hear. But, you know, partially I feel like it is because there's so much crazy crap in the news and whatnot going on constantly that, you know, when you hear somebody being sarcastic or you're, you you read someone doing satire, you tend to actually believe this person is legitimately crazy because they are saying these things and frequently there are crazy people on the internet saying things that they really do mean. So I don't know whether how much I can really make fun of these people that don't understand satire or jokes or whatever, because if they're not familiar with me and not familiar with how I write things, they might legitimately feel like, oh, well, maybe they you know have this brand new staffer on or something and he's never played the game. But it's just it's just very funny to me to see these people that don't get it. There were a couple of people that uh, actually got angry. But I guess they deleted their comments because I was really looking forward to reading those and they're no longer up. Oh, well, this was one of my favorite recent articles. So go check that out that uh, they my articles post every Saturday and I guess that's it. Want that or want that not? Well, boys and girls, look at the time. It's now time for Want That or Want That Not. That's right. That's the new jingle. I'm such a good singer. What we are covering tonight is Blood of the Phoenix. Pretty positive that was a Harry Potter book, but I'm just going to keep going. Blood of the Phoenix is a new two-player, arguably, two-player box set for Warhammer 40k, and it's all about the uh, Psychic Awakening 
yada, yada, yada. So you say what's in it, as if you don't know. You are asking questions that you already know the answer to. You will make a good spouse, parent, and boss. Point being, it is half Dark Eldar and half Eldar. So I mean Craft World and I mean Drukari. Eldar and Drukari. Uh, so let's get into this. What's in it? Well, I'm looking at five new Incubi models. Uh, they look pretty cool. I like them well enough. Uh, by the way, I do play Drakari. I do not play Eldar because I'm not dumb. Just kidding. I don't play Eldar, though. That wasn't the joke. The Incubi look pretty cool. I'm happy they're not fine cast anymore. That's a big step up for them. Although I think the old models look just as cool, so I don't really see that this is a real improvement. You also get... Um, five scourges and the scourges i don't think those are new models because the old ones were plastic and these look just like the old models these models look really cool you get a couple leathery wing bat wings you get a couple feathery bird wings and then you get five hellions which have been terrible in some editions and are i guess okay now i don't i don't find them to be terribly good but i don't do a whole lot of witch cult stuff so maybe they're better with that and, of course, one of my personal favorites is a Venom. So, that is one of my favorite units. Matter of fact, if you're going to subtract the Hellions from this, every one of these are some of my favorite unit units. I bring a lot of Scourges. I bring a lot of Incubi. I bring a lot of Venoms. Well, one Venom. And um, I even bring... Uh, what's his face? What's his, what's his old face here? Um, Drazar. I even bring Drazar, and um, I have my own models. Because remember, if you guys will remember, I don't actually play Drakari. I play vampires that use Drakari rules. Because I got space vampires, y'all. Anyway, so the only new models are the Incubi and Drazar. Drazar looks pretty cool. Um, I mean, one could actually argue he doesn't look as cool as his old model. Because his old model was pretty baller. I like that he had the blades for hands. Yeah, this one, he's just kind of an incubi with a hair tuft, and he's got like a bunch of ticks on his chest. I think those are ticks on his chest, and uh, maybe it's a necklace. I prefer to think it's space ticks. So, do I want this half? Uh, sure, uh, they're fine, I suppose. I, once again, am not like setting the world on fire with any of this. I just think they're pretty cool. The Incubi are a mild improvement. Drazar is either an improvement or maybe worse. I prefer the old Praying Mantis style Drazar, but whatever. Then we get to the Craft World Eldar. So we've got a new Janezar, which always reminds me of some sort of 90s rock band, I guess. And she's pretty cool. She's very uh, spindly. She's jumping up on stuff. She's got long hair. Kind of reminds me of... um. Uh, Lilith, and um, she also was fine cast, so I'm ha or maybe she was metal. Uh, I'm happy that they uh, came out with a plastic Jane Czar. She's pretty baller on the tabletop, so that's good. And I like her more than I do the Drazar um, model. Of course, you know, the remake of that model. Uh, you also come with five Howling Banshees, and these are also pretty neat models. They've got a lot of motion to them. They're all running. They're all angry. I, I assume they're howling. 
And they are also, I believe these were fine cast as well. Now they're plastic. So this is a pretty big upgrade box for uh, Eldari and for Craftworld. I mean, Drakari and Eldari. You know what? They're all Eldari. Drakari and Craftworld. This is a pretty big upgrade for both of them. Why the hell they threw a Falcon in there or even a Viper, I honestly have no idea. It would be cool to get some striking scorpions or something else if you're going to go all melee, but I, I don't understand why those are in there. Overall, I think this box is a pretty cool deal. Um, of course, I'm not talking about the price. We'll get to that in a minute. But overall, you've got new Incubi, new Drazar, new Janezar, and new Howling Banshees, all that were formerly fine cast. So this is a big step up for both of them. And overall, I think it's an okay set. <sighs> Here comes the hard part. The price. So, most of these boxes have been around $150, $160, something like that. And because we just keep buying, 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 and consuming, 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 GW has slowly developed a taste for money. They've become money vampires, and this is a $230 set. $230, not $130. So, sure, you get a tank. Sure, you get a little flyer. Sure, you get another little flyer. Sure, you get, um, let's think, uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 infantry people and two HQs. Like... That is a lot of money for not a whole lot of anything, and it really feels like they threw in that Falcon and that Viper for no reason. Maybe they're underselling currently, I don't know, but they just really seem out of place in the set. $230 is kind of ridiculous in my opinion. Normally, you know, if you keep it under $200, specifically between $100 and $150, most people will split a box with a friend, and you're making money. This is well over the top. Every person that I have spoken to, they do not like this price point. They think it's far too high for a box even to split with a friend. I mean, if you're splitting with a friend, you're each paying $115 for half this. So you are going to spend $115 for a Falcon and a Viper you probably didn't even need or want, five Banshees, and Jane's are. I don't think that seems like a good idea. Now, I have been told that if you do the math on it, you're saving like 60 bucks or something. But this only works if you play both sides. This only works if you definitely play Drakari as a main force and your friend plays Elkcraft World as a main force or something of that nature. But you probably already have these units anyway. I mean, Hellions, Vipers, you know... Uh, Venoms, all this stuff is already existing. If you already played Drakari, you probably have every one of these models already. There's nothing new here. They might be new models, but they're not new people. They're not new rules. They're not. They're not new anything. So I really, really want to like this set. I don't, though, unfortunately. So this is definitely a want that not for me. I am not enticed in the very least to buy this set. You know, if it was $150, I would contemplate it. And, you know, this is not me. You know, I hear people whine all the time on Facebook and they're like, oh, the start collecting went up. Oh, I'm not buying it. No, you know, it's still a deal. Okay. And this is still a deal as well. 
But I feel like this caters to such a small niche of people that the price point really hurts anybody trying to casually get into Drakari or Craft World. Like I said, you probably have all these models already if you play either one of these factions. So couple that with a $230 price point. I don't really see anybody buying this. Naturally, there will be people that buy this, but I don't I don't agree. Now, it's funny because Just James uh, decided to split a box with one of our friends uh, and he just went ahead and told that he was expecting to be like $150, $160. So he was, he just told the store, Oh yeah, go ahead and order me a box. And they're like, Oh cool. And then he overhears somebody go, uh, how much is it? And the store is like, Oh, it's $230. And I saw the look on James's face and I was like, Oh, that's uh, more than you expected, huh? And he goes, yeah, I had no idea it was that much. I said, are you still going to get it? He's like, well, I already told him to order it, so I guess, you know, I'll I'll just pay it. But uh, that is, that really hurts the wallet. So, I'm sorry, all. This is a want that not for the old pimp cron. And blood of the phoenix, I call it blood of the wallet. Good day. Now it's time for Real Talk with Pimp Cron. What's that time? That time is the Tesseract Mailbox. Or is it? Or is it the Tesseract Mailbox? Well, let's see. This is actually probably a real talk with the Pimpcron spurred by, birthed, if you will, by a Tesseract Mailbox. So I got a Priority One message from the leader of the dynasty, the Pimpcron dynasty on Patreon, and that would be from Overlord Mike. He writes, Hey, Pimpcron. So here's one for you. I'm looking to get a decent 4x6 table set up at home for me and a couple of friends to play. Who am I kidding? I've just got one friend. So me and my one friend. So I'm looking to get (laughs) a table set up with some scenery and here's my current predicament. If I want a good coverage of scenery, average of one and a half to two pieces per two by two foot square, then I'm looking at around 300 pounds Dude, that's some heavy freaking terrain. Oh, wait, shit. It's British pounds. Okay. I thought that was, the terrain is like super heavy if you're using 300 pounds of terrain. Uh, I'm looking at around 300 pounds. Yes, I'm English. <laughs> On plastic from GW. Look the, looking at Sector Imperialis and Sector Mechanicus stuff. But at 300 pounds, am I just better off getting a 3D printer and printing scenery to my heart's content? It's a pickle, isn't it? Do I go for some beautifully crafted, easy-to-assemble, no-fuss, out-of-the-box scenery from GW at an eye-watering price? Or do I go for a fussful, tinkery, nerdgasm 3D printer that will probably be a lot of work to get going, but will allow me to print more scenery and a variety of battlescapes in the years to come? What's your take on this? What do you do yourself? Also, if you are going to suggest shelling out for some pre-made scenery, then have you got any recommendations? Thanks again, and keep up the good work. Well, first off, as always, it's an honor to speak to the the one and only overlord of the Pemcron Dynasty, so thank you for writing in, Mike. Oh boy, you have no idea the can of worms that you have opened up asking the Pemcron about terrain, because terrain is my jam. So, what? God, where do I even start? So first off, let's talk about the debate between the 3D printer purchase at 300 pounds... Uh, whatever insane number that is in USD, probably about $450, I believe. 
and the idea of actually buying terrain from a company. Well, obviously, there are a billion companies out there. You don't have to buy from GW. Mantic sells a lot of really good quality terrain for cheap, so you're definitely going to look at their stuff. And um, it's all on their website. You can buy big bundles. They don't quite have the detail as GW, but they're very easy to assemble, and they're a fraction of GW's price. So... If you're going to talk about buying from them, then uh, they are a pretty good choice. It's all plastic, none of it's resin, nothing like that. And it's, uh, you know, probably 25% less or 30% less than GW Train, maybe less than that, or a, a less price than that. Now, there's a million different companies that make terrain, uh, pre-painted or otherwise. Uh, number one, one of my favorites that we've been using for my convention, Shorehammer, every year, and that would be GameMat.eu, and they've supplied the majority of our table mats and um, our terrain and things like that, and um, I've, I've bought, and when I say provided, I mean, they've donated some things for raffles, but we also buy stuff from them, too. Uh, the vast majority of the things I've gotten, we've purchased from them. So I'm not just saying this because they're a sponsor of the convention, because they usually donate like a mat or something like that for the uh, the charity raffle or whatnot, uh, door prizes. But Game at EU, I've really enjoyed because it's very, very durable stuff. And the price that you get it at is way better than GW. The reason being is that it is resin. Some of it's solid resin, some of it's hollow resin. And it is all pre-painted. So you can get a solid 4x4 of terrain at uh, roughly the density that you're asking for like $150 or something like that. So if you were to buy two sets from GameMatEU, and they've got ruins, they've got desert, they've got... Um, I'm trying to think of what else, toxic waste plants and things like that. If you were to buy two of those sets for $300, and they are from, I believe, the Czech Republic. So I don't know what conversion rate you have with the euros. That might be a touchy subject. I don't know. But um, the it may be cheaper for you. But I know as far as US dollars, it's about $145 or $149 for a set. And that set would be quite sparse on a 4x6 board. But a 4x4 board, it's actually a pretty good amount of terrain. So ideally what I would do, I like a lot of terrain. So what I would do is, as a rule of thumb, say one of their sets of terrain per 4x4 and two sets by 4x6. And if you buy two sets, then you've got a lot of terrain on that 4x6. And I enjoy that. Their stuff is heavy because it's resin. And it's durable. So shipping is a little bit of a concern because it's quite heavy. Um, but of course, they're only shipping to you. So they're not shipping across the Atlantic like they are for the US, the US customers. But I do like uh, their terrain. And gosh, I own at least one, if not two sets of all of their sets of terrain. They've got Zone Mortalis um, style walls and all kinds of stuff. So I would definitely check out GameMat.eu. Another company that I have a lot of experience with and I have bought a lot of terrain from is Terrains for Games, which is um, also, I think they're Czech Republic. Either way, Terrains for Games has a lot of MDF scenery and you can buy it pre-assembled and pre-painted or you can just buy it, you know, on the on the sprue, I guess is what you'd call, where it's still in its uh, sheet that it was cut out of. 
And now MDF terrain, when you're talking the resin terrain from like game at EU, they have pretty much the same detail as GW. Like it's, there's, you can put a lot of detail in resin, but of course, resin and plastic are much more expensive than MDF. MDF, you can get a very good quality of detail out of, but it takes more work. And that is just the, the God's honest truth. So if you spent 300 pounds at Terrains for Games and got an all MDF board, you would have a literal shit ton of terrain. You would have a lot of terrain. You could probably do like a full city board for 300 pounds. Uh, the only issue, potentially, it depends on how much you like painting terrain. I'm quite lazy and I don't usually like painting terrain. Uh, well, actually, I can't say I'm lazy. God, I'm pretty productive. But when it comes to painting terrain, I am lazy. And the um, pre-painted stuff is probably what I would do personally. But you can get it at a serious discount compared to plastic or resin terrain if you just buy it unassembled. You assemble it yourself. And um, the problem with MDF terrain and getting it to a high standard of paint is that it has a lot of flat surfaces. Now, um, Trains for Games does a good job of adding layers of you know MDF and things like that to give it texture. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have to dry brush it. You're going to have to you know do several layers and, and really build things up. If you like that sort of thing, then you can make a literal stealing. Uh, you, can, you can get a full table's worth for a, a real steal compared to plastic or resin. Um, Game Mat EU comes pre-painted and it's resin, and but it's slightly more expensive. And trains for games you can get either way. So now that my plug for both of them is over, and I'm just joking. I legitimately like both these businesses, and um, I've I've done uh, trains for games, some of their kickstarters and things like that. They do seasonal kickstarters like summertime and things like that. So they are cool. They also have a ton of stuff that you might want to look at, such as ponds and lakes and things like that. And they do the flock hills if you're going to do a flock board. And um, just a lot of they do a lot of hand painted things out of foam and MDF and whatnot. So if you are into that sort of thing, they also have super, super cheap stuff. Like I'm going to say like $10 for a flocked hill that looks awesome. Uh, now it might be more than ten dollars, might be less than ten dollars, but it's it's roughly like ten or fifteen dollars for a flocked hill. They also a vast majority of my trees that I've purchased were all from uh, Trains for Games as well because they have a really really nice huge bundle of trees for uh, forty bucks or something something crazy cheap. Like their their stuff is really good. Also, of course, I've spoken to both these companies quite a bit via email and Facebook and whatnot over the years, and uh, they're both super, super nice. It doesn't mean all the other companies out there aren't super nice, but I can at least vouch for these two. If I were to purchase terrain, I personally have and continue and would buy terrain from Game at EU or from Trains for Games. It depends on how much work you want to put into it and how much money you want to save on it. That's literally the difference. Um, a trick for MDF terrain, which is really, really good, and um, this is a freebie, okay? You guys don't even have to mail in your coupons or anything for this freebie, but this is an honest-to-goodness, uh, really good tip for MDF terrain. I say that it's hard to get detail on MDF terrain. What you do 
is you go to your local hardware store and you buy a spray paint called Make It Stone. And uh, it's similar to making it rain, but you're not dropping stones on strippers. What it is, is that it's a textured spray paint. And they come in all kinds of colors. The color is honestly irrelevant because you're going to paint over it. But the point is it it throws all these little flecks of um, like lumps and bumps all over it and makes it look like a stone texture. And then you prime over that and you dry brush it. And what you really need when you're dry brushing on terrain is you need some texture, some, some, you know, divots and, and bumps and raises and whatnot. So you can, if you're doing it economically, I would build the MDF terrain myself. I would spray make it stone on it. And then I would dry brush it once or twice after priming and boom, you're pretty much done. Like that's, that's all you need to do. But if you're like me, you don't like paint and terrain, then I'd just buy it from Game at You, and it's already painted. So, that's that's what that is. Now that all of that is done, the other option would be your 3D printer. Well, I was on the cutting edge of 3D printer technology about, gosh, eight years ago, something like that. My brother and I bought a 3D printer, and we planned on making 3D printed terrain out of it. And, um, it, of course, you know, being on the cutting edge of anything, it cost us an arm and a leg and it was pretty shitty. So that's, that's a fun point to make the, um, of course they've come down significantly in price. The things that you can buy with a 3d printer, like you said, 300 pounds, a 300 pound 3d printer can do double the resolution that we could eight years ago. And it's literally a quarter of the price for that quality. Like, it's something that would cost $2,000 eight years ago is now 300 you know, or whatever. So, the problem with 3D printers that a lot of people don't understand, and no, we have not purchased a more recent one, but I have friends. Uh, my friend TJ actually has a 3D printer, and uh, they can make amazing stuff out of it. So, the thing people don't realize about 3D printers until they get them, and this is what we learned back then, although the process has been improved, is that they do take a little bit of babysitting. You got to make sure everything's calibrated. You got to, you know, get it's it's a hobby into itself essentially. You know, sometimes scaling is an issue or the files that you buy are not quite right or you know, I mean it's it, like I said, 3D printing is a hobby into itself. So it depends on how much free time you have there, Mr. Mike. And if you've got some free time, and you don't mind saving quite a bit of money, then yes, you can print until your heart's content and print all the terrain you want. And usually the files are very cheap. You can download files for free. Then, of course, you can, you know, kickstart or whatever files as well. And you can print whatever the hell you want. But me having a podcast and an article and a weekly podcast, a weekly article, a, a yearly convention my regular full-time job, and four children, eh, I'm kind of out of the 3D printer game. So I'm not a good person to ask, really. But if you don't have a convention article podcast and four children, then it might be worth it to you. It's really, really up to you. But if you're concerned about the quality of... I don't know why I said it like that. Quality. It's like, I don't know. The, <laughs> the reason... If you're concerned about the quality of 3D printed terrain, it is a baller. Now, you know, there's resolutions and things that you have to worry about in print times, but 
you can get it to be extremely, extremely good. And um, my friend TJ's shown us some of the things he did. He printed this big lighthouse, and it's all, like, removable. You can remove, you know, different levels off it and things like that. And it's just gorgeous. It's so pretty. And you just prime that up, and, you know, 3D printers can pretty much do whatever you want now. That actually is a slight segue into one of our Shorehammer sponsors that is new this year. They're on Etsy, and they're called Haldane Designs. And they have donated some things to our charity raffle, and um, they've uh, donated some ruins and things like that for our charity raffle. And when I just recently got them, I was like blown away at the resolution and the print quality and all that of these things. And um, it just, it's it's a real revolution, and I'm very impressed by it. They do a good job. The guy James was super super friendly. So find them. H-A-L-D-A-N-E on Etsy, Haldane Creations. And uh, uh, they also, they're one of the cheaper ones too. Their prices are a bit cheaper than everyone else for the same 3D models. It's funny because everyone must use the same um, templates because you can search and you see like the same buildings over and over from different printers. But he's um, mostly cheaper than everyone else, so... And I can attest that I literally just got a box in like two days ago, and it's beautiful. I ordered a bunch of mushrooms from him, like giant mushrooms the size of trees, and I cannot wait to get them painted. So, uh, how much time you got? How much time do you have there, Mike? Because you could save a lot of money, print what you want. Depends on if you have the time for this hobby. And that's exactly what 3D printing is. Um... Like I said, personally, being lazy, I would go with Game at EU. It's already painted, and you really don't have to do anything with it. Some people have complained, or at least worried. I don't know if they actually have the terrain from Game at EU. Some people have, uh, when I've reviewed some of their stuff in the past, some people complain, like, oh, it's resin, it's going to break. Well, I got to tell you, my, at the time, she was, I don't know, one or two years old. I had one of their Game at EU towers, the medieval towers, on my counter. And she knocked it off the counter, and it fell all the way to the ground. And it, um, it, it did not break in half. It did not shatter or anything like that. It did chip one corner of the granulated top of the tower, about a, maybe a three-quarters of an inch wide, something like that. It was just a corner. I guess that's where it impacted the ground, but... It's very, very durable resin. That is one of the things that you have to take into consideration when you're buying or making terrain is its durability. What are you doing with this terrain? You say that this is a table for your home, and in that case, you can do whatever you want because you will be able to carefully store your terrain or just leave it on the table depending on what your house situation is. And on the other hand, if you take your terrain to the local gaming store every week or things like that, you don't necessarily want non-durable terrains such as made of foam. But luckily, in your situation, trains for games, game at EU, 3D printing, the world is your oyster there, Mike. I hope some of this was helpful to one of you. And at some point, I plan on getting Haldane Creations on the podcast to discuss the future of 3D printing because they sell a lot of that on Etsy. And I am... I apologize. Did this come off as me just plugging away at a bunch of our sponsors on Shorehammer. I guess it was, but you know, I here's the thing. I don't take sponsors that I just see dollar signs. I see I take sponsors that actually are nice people. I buy their products anyway. 
So if I'm already buying their products, then I'm like, hey, I like your stuff. Can you please, uh, you know, be be a sponsor or be on the show? It's the same thing with Sable uh, Army Transport. You know, they, I had them on a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, and it was not at all intended as a plug necessarily because I literally, I probably own what 10 of their army transports, something like that. So, um, that's, that is not just me going, Oh yeah. You know, they don't pay me or anything for me to say this. I legitimately do like these companies and these people. So you can take it as a plug if you'd like, but that's, that's on you, not on me. So hopefully I was helpful to you, Mike, you have to assist your life situation and do you have time and effort and umph to buy the 3D printer?